You're listening to special programming brought to you by Glow Fitness. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Breaking Down Barriers is brought to you by Glow Fitness, a fitness studio offering a variety of classes and sessions like Mommy and Me for mothers wanting to connect with their children through fitness, offering strength training, boot camps, and more. Glow Fitness is located at 4250 East Bonanza Road, Suite 19. Specials and class schedules available at glowfitness.vegas or glowfitness.vegas on Instagram. More information by phone at 702-612-6414. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was born and raised here. I got it made And if I have my way, I'm gonna stay Welcome to another edition of Breaking Down Barriers with Walton Earl. We're glad that you're able to uh, join us this morning. And uh, we have some special guests today we're real excited about. Walt, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce our guests Thank you, us. Earl. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a second. We have Cheryl and Elia with the Department of Juvenile Justice uh, with Clark County, an organization called Harbor. And if you would, Sherry? Sure. Um, I'm Sherry Wright. I serve as an assistant director with the Clark County Department of Juvenile Justice Services, where I oversee our diversion, prevention, and early intervention programming. Wonderful. Elia? My name is Ilea Sanchez. I am the manager of the Harbors. The actual facility over on Mojave? Uh, yeah, we have five locations. My office is physically located at the one on Mojave. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being here. We know how busy you are these days and getting ready for school to start and all that good stuff. So thank you. Uh, Earl, I'm going to start with my first question, if mm-hmm. you don't mind. Go ahead. Uh, ladies, can you, can you share with us how the harbor came about and why it came about? Absolutely. So um, I can tell you that we, in about 2013 and or 2014, we really started taking a look at the kids that were entering our system. And at that time, we actually partnered with the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, um, to help us do some research and really dialed down on the kids that were coming through our intake hallway. And with their assistance, we found that about 70% of the kids entering uh, the juvenile justice system were doing so on low-level misdemeanors. So we really knew at that point that these were not kids that were out committing violent acts, that these weren't kids that needed probation or a courtroom, that these were kids and families that needed some guidance, some tools. And with that, we started looking around the country at what other jurisdictions were doing around diversion and what their diversion models look like. So at that point, we traveled to uh, Louisiana, we traveled to Oregon, we traveled to Colorado, and really in Colorado, we found programs that really sort of 
we thought matched a lot of our needs in our community. Mm. Um, and with that being said, you know, Las Vegas has uh, a lot of unique challenges because of the 24-hour nature of our town sure. and the transient nature of our town. So you can't just take a program from another jurisdiction and bring it over. You have to make sure that you are taking those um, variables into consideration when building a program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the kids initially that, that came into the system that you saw, they were low-level and not serious criminals. Right. So these were low-level, nonviolent misdemeanors. But what we also learned about the needs of those children is those children had a lot of needs um, around family issues, mental health issues, and educational issues. So for us, that really drove um, our development of the harbor around the types of interventions and resources we wanted to provide for kids and families. I see. Now, and I'm going to make a follow-up question here real real quick. Uh, Have you seen much of a change in terms of the new kids that are coming in today versus, say, seven or eight years ago? Is it pretty much the same? Well, one thing we're seeing, and I think this is a positive thing, is that we're starting to see younger and younger kids, and we like that. Um, The earlier we can intervene, the better. We'd like to see kids before they get those citations. We'd like to see families and help support and stabilize them if they need those types of services. So I think younger kids, that's definitely been a trend. And then you know, with COVID, uh, we know that kids were definitely challenged socially, academically, emotionally, um, and families were taxed financially. Um, That's, of course, a given with COVID. But so I think that we've seen kids that already had mental health issues, COVID exacerbated those. And for kids that really didn't have mental health issues, started to experience some stress and depression around some of the isolation. Sure, sure. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, my question is, how does the harbor get, you know, how do you get your referrals for your program? Right, so we get our referrals um, a variety of ways. So, though, again, those low-level offenses that I talked about or those low-level citations, the harbor is able to accept those low-level misdemeanor citations. And then also, you know, we want to just be a resource to the whole community. So we have people enter the harbor a variety of ways. The school district makes um, a tremendous amount of referrals to the harbor. Again, we like that, trying to get those kids in before they have legal involvement or citations. A parent can hear about us and bring their child in. We get other ag- referrals from other agencies, so really a variety of ways. We The harbor really strives to be a no-wrong-door, one-stop shop for the community. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Would you say the majority of them are referred from the schools? From our agency referrals, the school district okay. is our number one referral, okay. agency referral, yes. So I have a quick question. So if a parent, say I'm a parent and I'm having a problem with my son or daughter, would I be able to make a referral? Can I call you and say, hey, I need some help, or how, how would that work? Uh, I'll go ahead and answer that one. Um, if you're a parent and your kid needs help, you could walk in and bring your kid to come. We're open seven days a week. Hmm. You could call and say, when can I come, you know, based on your availability and your schedule. You don't need a referral to come in. Okay. So as a parent, you can just walk in. You don't have to have anyone refer you. Would it cost me anything? No. 
was programs free. And so would my kid, would you do an assessment to find out? How does that work? So we typically would like the families, if you have insurance, to bring your insurance. Um, but in general, we have we you would come in and we would do a screening um, and sit down with you to find out what's going on, what are your needs, and how can we help. Um, we would talk to the parent and the kid to get um, some background information to see what brought them in. And then we would point them in the direction um, that's most appropriate for them. And then from there, we would provide case management services. Okay. So we would follow up and check in to see how it's going, um, how their service went. So let's say we made a referral to uh, for therapy, let's say. Um, we would like to know from the family, like, how did it go when you got there? How are you connecting to the therapist? What's this like for you? So we, we follow them as well. Oh, okay. I'm going to ask a question. Every time you say, <laughs> I start thinking of other things. <laughs> uh, when you run in to somebody, uh, a new a new client, how often do you follow up with the family and the child and all that? Well, typically um, after that first uh, meeting with the family, it's a minimum of, of once a week. And it's also dictated by at that point when we know that next appointment is going to be because we want the families to feel supported um, and sometimes systems are hard to navigate, the mm -hmm. systems that we count on. So really, we're there to help families walk through that process. Okay. Okay. My next question, uh, how do you select mentors, and do you have mentors in the program? So we work with a variety of agencies that provide um, mentoring services in our community, um, and at the same time, I, we're also looking for um, expanding those services and um, having formal mentoring, informal mentoring, um, you know, in and, and a, like a variety of, of ways. I think that looking at the child's needs, some kids are better suited for group mentoring services. Some kids might be better suited for um, individual mentoring and then um we also have a truancy prevention outreach program that was really born out of the success that we've had at the harbor and something that we're getting into with that program is a parent mentoring. You know, parents, there's a lot of single parents in our community. Um, many of them have more than one job and are also trying to balance parenting and their employment. And it can be very stressful. And then on top sure. of that, if your child might receive a citation or is having trouble at school, those are added stressors. So we really want to be there for parents and support parents. So that's that's something that's important to us. Makes makes all the sense in the world. In the line of business that Earl and I are in, uh, if you don't include the family and the parents in in helping the child, it's just not going to work because it's a it's one whole unit. Is that you can't have a kid come to you and be all right and then send them home and not have connect with the parent and kind of find, you know, we have a saying, you want to know what's wrong with the kid, follow them home. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, once that door is open, um, there's all type of challenges. Uh, what do you see is the biggest challenges facing families today in this environment? So I think that 
again, services can be very challenging to navigate. So I think that was the important thing when we stood the harbor up is to make it as user-friendly as possible and to really at the same time gain feedback from the parents so we can continue to improve our service delivery models. So we have um, surveys that we give to kids and parents at three different times throughout um, sort of their time with us. And then we follow Mm -hmm. up after a year. And so we really do use that feedback to incorporate policy changes and, you know, our service delivery model. Um, Mental health, I think, has really surged and I think that the there's been more of a focus on it. Mm-hmm. So I think the community is better understanding some of the challenges um, that kids and parents are facing. So a kid may have mental health issues and then think about it. Let's say mom or dad does too. Now that's an added stressor because mom and dad are trying to manage their own challenges and at the same time tend to the challenges of their child. Substance abuse issues. So there's lots of kids that it goes way beyond experimentation for mm-hmm. and how we can try to intervene um, with those kids and families sooner. Okay. It, do you guys work much with outside entities who have their own mentoring program and allow them to work with you guys? Or if there's a connection there, like if there's an organization out there and they do mentoring, um, are, are they encouraged to kind of partner with you guys or how does that work? The, the the harbor would not exist without the great partnerships we have. So we are looking, always looking at establishing and strengthening community partnerships to better provide services um, to the kids and families we serve at the harbor. Um, because my background is in mental health, when we stood the harbor up, I was very mental health heavy and mental health we have, we definitely have those needs, but there are other needs too. Some mm-hmm. kids don't need a therapist, but they might need some life skills or the mm. guidance and support of a mentor or recreational activities. So, how we've transformed over the you know five or six years we've been open, I think we've transformed a lot and and continued to expand our service array to meet the needs of the kids and families that we serve. And to just piggyback off of what she was saying, um, agencies or organizations that do mentoring, we would, we're always open and welcoming to hear about different organizations and things like that. Oh, okay. That's wonderful. That's one. I wanted to uh, give you a hypothetical. <laughs> you get a referral with a child, could be whatever age it is, and you work with the child, and you find out that the parent has mental illness. How do you handle that? Okay, so that goes <laughs> gra- that goes back to our great partnership. So okay. one of our partnerships at the harbor, so they actually have staff stationed at our Harbor Mojave location, is the Department of Health and Human Services, and um, adult mental health falls under there. Hmm. So we're able to hook parents up that might need those services. So that's part of it. And I think when both of you talk about the focus on the family, that's so important because if we were just interviewing the kid, we would completely miss that. Sure. The child might not know. They might be embarrassed. And so really we take our time with families that come to the harbor. We're not racing them through an interview. We 
spend typically an hour and a half to two hours with families on that initial assessment. And there's a portion that where the parent can be talked to privately. So if they have things that they don't want their child to know initially, we talk to the child privately. And then we spend some time with the family unit. And I think through that process, we gain the most comprehensive information we can about families. I can see that because that could be, Elia? So, yeah, I just wanted to add to what she was saying, too. So um, one of the really good things um, at the Harbor, too, with that scenario you gave, um, is that we try to meet the needs of the family. So while we may be case managing a family um, and know based on that interview Sherry's speaking about that maybe this family or this parent might need some additional support or services or we need to keep the case open longer mm -hmm. because we are we're aware that they have some mental health is issues of their own that they're also trying to get addressed. Um, we have the flexibility to keep the case open longer because we want to meet the needs of the family. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, it, it would just seem to me as you, you were speaking and, and defining that so clearly that even with a child, the parent might be the causal effect for the issues that the child has. And can I, um, certainly I want to share. So, um, part of the services and resources that we utilize, again, like Sherry was saying, we have some um, really good partnerships with um, agencies in the community. We also have uh, parenting classes, parenting programs. We've partnered with some agencies that um, can assist families um, based on the information they share and what their needs are. Um, and I think that's one of our best benefits is um, that we aren't going to separate the kid from the from the parent. That I agree. They are the unit. That mm -hmm, That is mm -hmm. who we're treating. And so... Um, like you guys have been saying, we're not going to say we're, we'll focus on the kid when they live at home, they have to go home with their parents, and the entire family needs help. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm going to go back in time, and you'll appreciate this. <laughs> Years ago, Walt and I were tasked, asked by the sheriff to um, mentor some what they considered low-hanging fruit. Guys were in the tagging crew, and they didn't want them graduating to higher crime. So there was a big community uh, rally around around these kids. And we took seven of them. Mm -hmm. We took seven of them. And we really, uh, it was an eye-opener to us uh, because, uh, you know, uh, I had a friend tell us one time, you know, I'm all happy. You got these kids and it's working. And he goes, well, you get your heart broken yet? <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? Well, the next week we found out so what it meant. And so, uh, but we had direct uh, contact with the families every week. And what we think uh, the success of the program we did was that was the key because we were able to know when the dad wasn't working. Dad's out of work, a lot of pressure on the family because now no money's coming in. They don't know where they're going to um, uh, they're going to be able to stay in their place. The rent, uh, the thing with the, when we got them in the apartment over there and the kid, we took the kid. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go and talk about that when we had to take the kid out of. Well, we, we had an influence in, in the community. We don't need to tell where the community was, but we had an influence in the community that was affecting these two brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, so our best bet, we felt, was to move the family out of that area into a different 
different school setting and, and, and all those things. You guys are more familiar with this than I was. And it worked out well. It worked out well. And uh, we had, a, we had a, one of the brothers that went over there went to high school, actually went to college afterwards, and graduated from college. And so it was a, a real success. Now, the other child, it didn't work out that way for him. Uh, and I guess that's part of it. You know, that's, those are the things that you, the professionals like you uh, deal with. And, and Earl, you might give them another uh, uh, situation with that same group about the kid that wouldn't go to school and why. Yeah, we, we couldn't believe it um, because he was transitioning from middle school to high school and when he didn't meet with us we went to his house and father's there mother's there father's working on the cars and kids laying on the couch <laughs> and, and we said well why is he not in school and the parents just kind of threw their hands up uh well he won't go and, and we talked to him about it and stuff but what we realized is you know um with the parents, their education was limited, so it wasn't a big priority. It was almost like go out there and learn what your dad's learning and fix on cars and the kind of generational thing. Uh, but, um, you know, it was, uh, we spent, I think our eye opener was the time that we spent with the parents just because we we're, we're parents. And so our challenges with our kids were different than this family's, these families. And, uh, we got to know the parents. We got to really get involved. And to this day, we're still connected to some of the grandmothers mm -hmm. that kind of call us and, you know, hey, my daughter, you know, you didn't ever, you never met her, but I had a daughter and she came back and she was on this, that, and the other. And, you know, lucky for us, we know how to refer people. You know, we, that's not what, that's not what we do. So here we refer you to the proper agency. Now we know we have the harbors to do that with. But those were things that were eye openers for us. But it also gave us uh, uh, a lot of gratitude that we know we were trying to make an impact with a family. So. Right. I mean, that mm -hmm. story really speaks to the power of relationships and mentoring mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. you can plant some seeds, too, that stick with people and grow later on. So that's a tremendous story. And in it doesn't seem like we had a great deal of success, but we had one real success out of seven kids, and uh, we just pray and hope that the other ones are okay. I've got to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I've got a, my, my question here, and this is a tough one, something that's topical right now. What is your opinion of the rise of violence in our schools today, and how do you see a fix for it if you do? Well, I mean that that certainly is a tough question and I'll and I really want to go back to COVID because I think that um in many cases some of the community has like underestimated how much that impacted kids and mm. families. Um kids were very isolated. They were on social media more, mm -hmm. more than they were before, which I don't know, even know how that happens, sure. but, right? So they're not having the same 
support. So for kids are going to school five days a week for several hours a day. And for some kids, school is their safe place. Mm, That's right. And they have their support system there. They have important mentors there. And when you take all of that and put it online, it's different. Mm. And then we knew a lot of kids and families were struggling with, they didn't have Chromebooks. They didn't have the right Wi-Fi. Kids didn't have a private bedroom where they could, or a space that they could go in to learn. So part of our program, the Truancy Prevention Outreach Program, was we were out canvassing and knocking on doors to make sure kids had those resources so they could even get on, Mm -hmm. right, and connect with the school. If I could just add to what Sherry Mm, was saying. Certainly. Um, other things that people, like she's saying, that, that didn't account for with COVID is um, when you took away their ability to go to school, that was their outlet. That was their break from home. Um, one of my biggest fears when COVID first hit and things started shutting down, my because I'm a therapist, my thought was like, oh, my goodness, we've got kids that are going to be stuck in the home. With limited resources, probably family stressing and struggling maybe to get by and figure out what's next and kids that are in homes with domestic violence or physical abuse and sexual abuse, their outlet is no longer school. So those mandated reporters that they were able to see at school, the break that they would get from being at home, that is no longer even an option Mm. when you're stuck in the house for however long COVID kept us stuck in the house, in addition to all the things that Sherry was saying. So if you're being exposed, if you're on social media more and you're watching or observing violence more, all of those things are, are, are being added to the equation. And then you add in probably some deficits in regards to education and learning, trying to get back to a routine and go back to school and frustrations or learning disabilities and things that would have initially maybe been seen by outside resources when they play sports, when they go to school, when they can do Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, all those things. Once COVID hit and took all that away, all that was gone. So here we are bouncing back. Never thought of that. We're bouncing back. We're trying to. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a a question. Uh, uh, During the COVID, when the kids were out of school, was there uptake in suicide, youth suicides? And- there, was, there was in our community, absolutely. Um, Nationwide, too, I yeah, would say. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Was that due to COVID? Would, I mean, it's, are some other factors Well, I think the other factors are, I think, Ilea's point, that you didn't have, I mean, the schools have s- protocols around um, suicide assessments and things like that. Many times teachers who see the kids every day understand when Johnny's coming in and now he's acting different mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is sure. wearing dirty clothes to school all of a sudden. So you didn't have those additional sets of eyes and ears on kids to be mm-hmm. able to identify those things. And even with athletics, uh, a kid gets a couple, three hours out in the football field to kind of get those frustrations and out of his system and and maybe that makes a difference sure absolutely yeah Yeah. for sure isolation and feeling like hopeless like especially in the beginning of COVID like when is this going to end how when do we get to go back what does this look like and the unknown of all of that and they're just sitting in it right 
And, oh, and then terrible. to mention too, like the grief component, we had kids that were losing parents and losing grandparents due that's to COVID. Right. Oh. So now you have that mm-hmm. grief. That's and right. That's right. That's right. And and couldn't say goodbye to them. Can't, can't go to the funeral. Other, can't so. go to see them and or nothing. So that, that was really tough. Yep. Well, um, uh, we're we're about. At the end of our show here, I want to give you ladies a, a, an opportunity to say some last words to our audience. Well, I just want the community to know that the harbor is open and here to help. And our main number is 702-455-6912. And our website is theharborlv.com. Can you repeat that phone number yes. once for sure? 702-455-6912. One, two. And we're open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Seven days a week. Wonderful. I would encourage people to check out our website. Um, The T-POP is on there as well. Um, Anybody, any mentor programs or organizations or agencies that are interested in um, trying to partner with the harbor or um, get connected with us, there's a link called um, Become um, Become a Vetted Provider. That's on our website. So if that's okay. something that they're interested in, they can go to the website and see that as well. Earl, do I have a second to say something? Yeah, go ahead. You, uh, after we've known you a bit, uh, not not for too long, but after hearing you today, you guys are true heroes. Mm-hmm. Amen. We appreciate Amen. it. Thank you. We appreciate all the hard work you do seven oh. days a week. Um, and we look forward to working with you in the future. We're excited about it. Yep. And uh, we talk about it all the time. We're excited about it that just to get in the battle and try to help our community. So thank you for being here today. Thanks thank so you. much. Thank and thank you to our listening audience for tuning in to another segment of Breaking Down Barriers with Walden Earl. Thank you. Breaking Down Barriers is brought to you by Glow Fitness, a fitness studio offering a variety of classes and sessions like Mommy and Me for mothers wanting to connect with their children through fitness, offering strength training, boot camps, and more. Glow Fitness is located at 4250 East Bonanza Road, Suite 19. Specials and class schedules available at glowfitness.vegas or glowfitness.vegas on Instagram. More information by phone at 702-612-6414.